guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. This is the final week of the kind of ordinary time of celebration. Next Sunday, we celebrate the, the last Sunday of our liturgical year, which is also the patronal feast of the other parish that I serve, Christ the King. Christ, our King, the King of the universe. So we look in these final weeks of the liturgical year, in a sense, a, a kind of miniature version of the whole history of the world. And so we look to those last things, uh, heaven and hell, judgment, and the weighing of souls, and ultimately, the end of all things, when everything will be concluded and God will restore his creation perfectly and he will be all in all. And so these words from our gospel today may strike us as a little strange, as they, as they most likely do, or we just simply let them pass us by, that Jesus is saying, that the, that the end of the world is going to come. And it'll happen in the lifetime of those who are hearing him say that. How do we understand that? Was he wrong? At, at the very least, whether or not we're going to weigh in on all of the apocalyptic uh, strains of prophecy that uh, anybody with a few extra hours on the internet could probably turn up pretty quickly. There is a very practical, spiritual truth that is being addressed to us in these scriptures, and that's simply this. Whether or not the world is going to end, my life is going to end, and I do not know the day or hour. Whether or not the sun literally will be darkened and the moon not give its light, whether or not the stars literally fall from the sky, all of those things will happen for me the day that I die. And so it's a good opportunity for us at the end of the liturgical year as we reflect and pray for all of those beloved dead whose names we inscribe in our book of remembrance here and pray for them throughout the month of November to also reflect on our own death, our own mortality, not as a morbid, depressing thing, but as the source of our hope. And it's a good opportunity to be reminded as well that when we find ourselves perhaps growing ill, feeling, sensing as if death is near, reading the signs of the fig tree, as it were, to call, to have the sacraments brought to us, to receive the anointing of the sick, to receive our Lord in the Eucharist as food for the journey, viaticum, when we call it last rites, we mean those things that are going to see us through that journey across the waters of death into our heavenly home. To receive the apostolic pardon, which is the granting of remission of all punishment due to sin. And to confess as we are able to confess our sins and to benefit from the mercy of God in those, in those waning hours and days and weeks and months of our lives. I know in the past that the tradition was to wait until the very last moment before doing those things, but the church wants to be as generous as she possibly can in applying those mercies in every circumstance, and so it's not giving up 
when we call the priest, but rather inviting Jesus in to accompany with his grace those souls who need it most. I want to share with you something from the autobiography of the Baroness Maria von Trapp. If you know the, the story of the sound of music, this is the, the von Trapp, the Maria von Trapp from that story. She was a very faithful Catholic woman, as was their whole family. And at one point in her life, she was very near to death. She was able to recount it later. She survived, but has a description of a, of a situation that I think it's profitable, profitable for us to, to hear, something that I just came across. So she writes in, in her autobiography, as I lay there with my eyes closed, waiting for death, I heard the doctor say to the nurse that it wouldn't make any sense to try to contact my family. It was definitely too late for them to be able to reach me. And although the doctor talked in a whisper, I could hear him very clearly. All my senses seemed to merge and concentrate into the one sense of hearing. I noticed that while I was opening my eyes wide, I could see nothing, although it was 10 o'clock in the morning. Sight was gone. I heard the rustle of the sheets as the nurse removed them from my feet, and I heard her hand gliding over my feet and her voice as she said, her feet are already cold, but I couldn't feel it. Touch was gone. Am I dying? I wanted to ask. But I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. And then hearing also stopped. And there was silence more intense than any silence I can remember. The body might have been helpless, but the soul was wide awake and in full possession of its faculties. Undisturbed by anything outside of it, memory was keener than ever before. And in this anguish of a last agony, the soul passed once more through its past life, seeing everything so much more clearly. And although nothing is to be seen with the eye, the soul senses very sharply the presence of an evil power which wants to influence it to give up. Those sins are too many and too horrible to bring any hope. but it also senses another spiritual power present. Maybe the guardian angel soothing the soul, reminding it, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Reminding the soul of the bottomless mercy and the love of the Heavenly Father whom it is to meet very soon now. Well, Baroness goes on, I did not die. But the rest of my life, I shall be grateful for those most precious moments. Afterwards, I found out that this seems to be a general occurrence and not just my private experience. This, of course, was before the advent of the widespread use of morphine. They say the senses die slowly, one by one. 
Therefore, we should take great care what is said and done in the presence of the dying. While they are fighting their last decisive battle, it would mean such a help if they could hear us talk to them about the mercy of God, about having trust and confidence. One day we shall have to take that same step too. This might be the best preparation. And when everything is over and one of our beloved has died, we should remember the words of the revelation of John, the book of Revelation. I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord henceforth. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. I found that reflection very powerful because it conveys in a way that we don't often get to hear just how important it is to attend the dying, to be by their side, and even though they appear outwardly unaware, their great battle is being fought interiorly. And that their temptations to despair, to give up, are perhaps overwhelming. And they need our help. They need our prayers and they need our words and our presence. As she rightly points out, providing this for others may be the best way that we ourselves prepare for that moment. And it is possible, and I've seen it happen, where someone who finally approaches those last days or hours of their life has grown so far from God that they appear not to have any desire for him. I've been to the bedside of those who, who have the priest there refuse the sacraments. Not because they didn't, not because they were atheists or apostates, but because, no, I'm fine, actually. I've lived a good life. I don't need any mercy from God. What seems to be an outward calm and peacefulness in fact, betrays a great lack of understanding and even faith. I don't judge those persons. I don't pronounce sentence on them. I don't know what happens after death. I pray for them. I try to speak in whatever encouraging way that I can to look not to self, but to Christ at that last moment. And perhaps in God's grace, Beautiful things and beautiful conversions happen even in that moment. So I don't, I don't pretend to say I know what happens there. But I know that in, when my time comes, I don't want those to be the words on my lips. I lived a good life. Oh, I was a priest. Oh, I gave up so much for you. I should be fine. No. No. Our love for God operates like gravity. The closer we get to him, the stronger the forces are that bind us to him, and the stronger we seek him out. I want to be filled with Jesus and his love rather than confidence in my own merits, my own deeds at that time of, of death. And so, it's a chance for us to practice here and now what it means to be ready for that day. 
that hour, whenever it comes, known only to our Heavenly Father, and we make that last step, when our last agony, our great struggle, will be taking place. We invoke the help of Mary, pray for us now, and at the hour of our death, that she would be there as an advocate to bring that soothing presence, that soothing assurance that though our sins be as scarlet and the memory of them weighs us down, that that promise and hope of the good news of Jesus' mercy be present to us. No, they shall be white as snow in Christ. And so, may we benefit from these meditations here at the end of our liturgical year. May we benefit from the memories of those who have gone before us whom we lift up in prayer and benefit from this call from the church to think not only of those daily responsibilities that we carry out with love, that we carry out with devotion to him, but those last things that await us all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.